This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. As a TV meteorologist, I've always advocated that people should have multiple and redundant ways of getting this information. You should sign up for Reverse 911. You should download the TV station's app. If the county has an app, you should you should sign up for all of those services that you can. You should listen for your outdoor sirens if you have them, if you're outdoors. You should uh, watch the TV forecast, and especially in Tornado Alley. I used to tell my viewers, now you need to watch the forecast in the morning, and you need to watch the forecast in the afternoon and evening because things can change very rapidly. Right. And then on top of that, if you'll have a NOAA weather radio. And I said, you know, if you'll do that, folks, this is me talking to my viewers, if you'll do all of those things, I can almost guarantee you that you'll never be surprised by an emergency. Hi, and welcome to Ian Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And this week we are talking to Bruce Jones, a meteorologist at Midland USA. You may know Midland USA just as that uh, weather radio company, and although they do have many, many products other than the weather radios, we are talking about weather radios today. And a little bit about early warning systems, along with why it's important to have a weather radio in your kit. I think the topic's very important. Some of the issues with early notification systems, mass notification systems, and, and having that extra tool in your toolbox as an emergency manager of being able to reach out and use the weather radio, I think is really important. In fact, on January 17th of 2019, can you believe it's going to be 2019 in just a few days? We're having a webinar just on that topic of early notification, mass notification, and what does that mean? And we have a, a couple of great emergency managers there. We have Steve Kerr from Colorado. We have Kelly McKinney, the author of The Moment of Truth and also an emergency manager from New York City. And we have a team from Titan HST, who is one of our sponsors. Um, however, this is not a sponsored webinar. They're going to be on the show as well, talking about mass notification. So I think it's really important for us to really use all the tools that we have. And I think that the NOAA Weather Radio is one of these things that we can encourage the residents in our in our towns, the visitors that are out there, to have the really inexpensive NOAA Weather Radio with them. Uh, whether it's a Midland one or not, doesn't make, make a difference as long as it's a NOAA Weather Radio in, in their hands and we can communicate with them that way as well. Well, before we get in the show, you know, please go to uh, Ian Weekly uh, and, and sign up for our email list. I'd love to communicate with you that way. We're going to be pushing out a lot more information uh, via our newsletter and as well as go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and your favorite podcast provider. And we're going to be communicating with you all that way as well. So we're going to be having some more webinars this year, some more conversations and a seminar as well. So looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Now, on to the interview. Bruce, welcome to uh, EM Weekly. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. I was a TV meteorologist in uh, Kansas City and in Topeka for many years and spent 31 years in broadcasting. And this is my 42nd year of telling people 
If you live in the United States of America and you don't have a weather radio, you need to talk to a good psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's kind of funny, um, I guess because of, I've always been an outdoors person um, and weather has always been part of, you know, in the back east to yeah. get ready to go skiing whether we're going to be in school or not and then you know just going out camping what's the heat going to be what are we going to pack for you know what, what that type of stuff so weather's always been important and i even went so much and and got myself um a weather station nice um from costco you know uh-huh. it was like a hundred dollars or hundred and some dollars and yeah. you know kind of doing it my wife thinks it's a little strange she's like you live in <laughs> southern california it's going to be sunny and hot, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. But the, the weather radio it gives you more information than just what the weather is today. Can you tell us a little bit how the weather radio works? Yeah, well, it's a national broadcast. First of all, it's paid for by the federal government. They have 1,031 transmitters nationwide, and they also have them in uh, U.S. territories, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, etc. But it's 1,031 transmitters nationwide that sends a direct broadcast from your local National Weather Service office 24-7, 365. So anytime they need to alert you with anything important, they can set that weather radio off with a tone alert and uh, get your attention that way. And it's an 80-decibel alert tone, so it's impossible to sleep through it. Once it goes off, it's going to wake you up. And that's what it was designed to be. See, Todd, NOAA weather radio is the indoor tornado siren mm. or the indoor tsunami siren. It was designed to be inside your house and alert you as opposed to air raid sirens and outdoor tornado sirens. It's the indoor tornado siren. And, you know, it actually started back in the nineteen late 1950s, early 1960s. In Chicago, they were using it for marine forecasts for the boats out on Lake Michigan. All right. And it proved very successful there. And they used it for briefing pilots before they took off from Miggs Field, which was right down on the waterfront. So it was used as a pilot briefing and marine briefing radio system first. But after the super outbreak, the super tornado outbreak of April 3rd of 1974, when the tornado warnings in Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio were coming in so fast and furious that the wire services couldn't even keep up with them, hmm. uh, the National Weather Service said, you know, we need to have a faster and more reliable system for getting out these warnings. And so that's the point in time, 1974, was when it shifted away from being marine and, and aviation forecasting service to America's national warning system. And NOAA Weather Radio is our official national federal warning system. It not only does tornado warnings, hurricane warnings, tsunami warnings, wildfire warnings, but you could also get you know nuclear attack. Uh, you have an incident at a nuclear power plant. Mm. You have a terrorist attack, civil emergency messages. And there are a variety of ways that emergency managers can utilize NOAA Weather Radio. As an emergency manager, if you have any emergency in your county and you want to get the word out, you can just place a phone call to your local National Weather Service office. Tell them we have a civil emergency message. Uh, we have a law enforcement emergency, you know, escape convict. Right. They can, National Weather Service will broadcast that on NOAA Weather Radio. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can use it for weather and non-weather related emergencies. And that's why you frequently hear it referred to as all hazards NOAA weather radio. Oh, nice. It's all hazards. So it's weather plus a lot more. So now the, with the NOAA radio specific, specifically, the now I know that on the ham radios, you can find the frequency and you can hear the weather report going on yeah, all the time, right? Uh-huh. 
And then I know with these radios, and Bruce actually brought some radios, and, and I wish I could show them to you, but obviously we're, we're audio only. <laughs> we'll and, describe them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, on the radios that you brought here today, um, there's the, the you don't have to have it playing in the background all the time. You can you could do the same alert, right? Right. Yeah. It's a lot like a smoke detector. A NOAA weather radio is always on, but silently so. It just sits there silently. And every day, every hour, every minute of the day, it silently monitors that broadcast from the National Weather Service. Now, if you want to listen to it, you can push the button and hear, hear the latest forecast and things of that nature. But honestly, nobody wants to listen to it. <laughs> you set it up and it sits there silently. It's plugged into the wall, but it also has battery backup. So even if the power goes out in the middle of a storm or something, it's still going to go off. Mm -hmm. And that's the important point. When the National Weather Service needs to activate that radio, they can do it automatically and instantaneously. And at that point, every weather radio in your county will go off. So the message that you're actually getting is a computer-read message, right? It's not a person who's reading it. Right, because most National Weather Service offices are running... 10, 12, 13 transmitters. So let's say the office in Oxnard, California, they're, they're, no, they're responsible for NOAA weather radio transmitters all across the, the valley and all up and down the coast. So when you have that many transmitters and one person at a microphone, it's impossible for them to, to, to go on 13 transmitters at the same time. Right. But if it's computerized and, and the voice synthesized, then you can just hit it automatically and it immediately activates all the transmitters that it needs to activate and gets that, that message out. So now everybody out there who's listening has probably heard the the weather radio voice, if you will. Uh -huh. The EAS um, test that go across is sort of the same voice. Right. Um, and then like, uh, you know, anybody who lives on the coast who wants to surf, you can get the surf report. Surf report, yeah. <laughs> You know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really like a, it's a daily useful uh, thing. Like I said, when I was camping, we would have that playing in the morning to see what the weather's going to be to make sure that we had the right clothes and we're going right. for a hike. So it's really useful outside of just for emergencies, right? Oh, yeah. You can listen. Uh, you know, a lot of farmers, a lot of ranchers have no weather radio. Uh, if you watch that series on the Discovery Channel, uh, The Deadliest Catch, mm -hmm. you frequently hear NOAA weather radio playing in the wheelhouse because they're they're very interested in the weather forecast oh, right, when right. they're out when they're out on the ocean. So here on the West Coast, we get a lot of use in maritime. You have a lot of transmitters on the coast in California and Oregon that shoot out toward the ocean so that you can send that information, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles out into the Pacific. Well, that's a long reach. It is. It's life-saving information. So, uh, you know, NOAA Weather Radio has been around for 50, 60 years, but we know it works. And here's the best thing. As an emergency manager, you can spend a lot of money buying outdoor sirens and various systems and, and apps and so forth, but NOAA Weather Radio is free. Mm-hmm. For the state, for the county, for the city, it doesn't cost a dime for the emergency managers to utilize it and, and make use of it. All you have to do is get your citizens to buy a receiver. And you can get them at Walmart, uh, Walgreens. You can get them at sporting goods stores, electronic stores. And they're probably 30 to $35. It's not much. Right. For, your, for your family's safety and the, your family's life, $30, $35, that's nothing. So as an emergency manager, if you can encourage people in your in your county, in your area to buy these devices and then 
you form a good relationship with the National Weather Service, you can utilize the system to a very good advantage at no cost to your county. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we'll do too is um, we'll put some links on the show notes um, and, and in the uh, on the website to where you can link up if you guys are looking for um, places to purchase the uh, Midland uh, NOAA Weather Radio. I think it's uh, we could do that for you sure. guys and make sure that you guys can, can find them. Sure. The cool part about it too is in the past, and I don't know if this is true, I don't want everybody to jump on and try to find this, but um, we've had some grants um, that were out through the UASI um, uh-huh. and things and that we were able to purchase some weather radios specifically for the tsunami inundation zone um, when I was with at Orange County, California. And I think that was really great. We were able to give those and they were like the little yellow ones they were like the ones you can mobile around to yeah. get the batteries. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we had some of the, the, the white ones uh-huh. that, that you have the here today. The desktop yeah. ones. And we were able to get them out to the uh, businesses that are down in the, in the inundation zone um, and to the residents that live down there too. Now, whether or not they implemented them or not, I can't tell that's you, right. but I know yeah. that we got them to, got to them, them as them well. That's right. You know, and I think that's really important. So there's opportunities for emergency managers to find grants that yes. can help purchase these to, for for the residents of, of your jurisdiction. You're very right, Todd. And the Hazard Mitigation Grant Program, the FEMA HGMP Hazard Mitigation Grant Program. Those funds, which are given to your state uh, for two years after any federally declared disaster, you get the hazard mitigation grant funds that goes to the state. And then you as a county emergency manager can file paperwork and uh, write up a grant. And those funds will pay for 75% of the cost of NOAA weather radios. So we have some counties that will, they'll get the grant. FEMA pays the 75%. The county pays the other 25%. We also have counties that say, okay, we have these radios. If you're a county resident, come down to the courthouse on such and such a day. And the resident has to pay that little 25%, which comes out to like eight or nine dollars. Right. And they they buy a weather radio. Or we have counties and several counties in Kansas and Oklahoma have done this. The FEMA money pays for 75%. And then the county provides in-kind services, Mm -hmm. which is maybe putting the batteries, the backup batteries in. Uh, maybe distributing them around the county. We'll be at such and such library today. Show us that you're a county resident and we'll give you one for free. So that's a very effective way of doing it. Then you've got hazard mitigation grant program funding for 75% of the cost. You can come up with a creative way to cover the other 25%. And then you're donating, you know, you're distributing thousands of weather radios. Yeah, I think that's really important too. I mean, we're always talking about how to message and things like this. And I know that, you know, working through like the mass notification systems that we have and, and uh, Titan HST, who's one of our sponsors, mm-hmm. um, is one of those mass notification mm-hmm. companies, you know, and still there's always a requirement or there's always a step uh, that the citizen or the resident has to take in order to partake in those, those things. Mm-hmm. And if we have multiple ways of doing this, such as the NOAA weather radio, your mass notification system, EAS on TV. TV, you know, iPods through, you know, through the, the, the wireless stuff, uh-huh. you know, we're doing our due diligence to get this information out to the, the resident. And that's the important part. We can, I mean, there's almost so much, so much we can do. We, I don't know if we're ever going to hit a hundred percent of the people, right? but if we could hit like 90 or 99% of the people, I mean, that's a win for us. And hopefully they'll be able to tell their neighbor, Hey, ding dong, we got an evacuation going on, right? right. you know? So I, as, as a TV meteorologist, I've, always advocated that people should have multiple and redundant ways of getting this information. You should sign up for reverse 911. 
you should download the TV stations app. If the county has an app, you should you should sign up for all of those services that you can. You should listen for your outdoor sirens if you have them, if right. you're outdoors. You should uh, watch the TV forecast, in, especially in Tornado Alley. I used to tell my viewers, now you need to watch the forecast in the morning and you need to watch the forecast in the afternoon and evening because things can change very rapidly. Right. And then on top of that, if you'll have a NOAA weather radio. And I said, you know, if you'll do that, folks, this is me talking to my viewers. If you'll do all of those things. I can almost guarantee you that you'll never be surprised by an emergency. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get the notification that you need because there's nothing sadder than a guy who says the tornado came with no warning when, in fact, the warning had been issued 15 minutes ahead of time. He just didn't hear it, right. you know? And so then you have to ask yourself, why didn't this family hear the warning? They could have saved their life. They could have saved their daughter's life. Why didn't they hear it? And it's usually because they didn't have multiple ways of getting the warning. They were they thought they would hear the cell phone. They thought they'd hear the outdoor siren. And even the NOAA weather radio transmitter may have been knocked off the air. Right. Anything can happen. And as a meteorologist on TV, I'm like you. I wanted to go to bed at night thinking I have done everything in my possible power to protect my viewers and I hope they take that advice and you're right you can't reach them all (laughs) but once you've covered all those bases you sure sleep better at night we're going to take a quick break here and listen to what our sponsors have to say and we'll be right back to the interview in a minute seconds count during an emergency that's why at Titan HST we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication, even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Emergency managers need exercise in order to test preparedness and efficiency during an emergency situation. TTX Vault provides pre-assembled, pre-filled out tabletops, drills, and functionals so you can exercise more effectively and at a reduced cost. With TTX Vault, customers receive either a disk or flash drive pre-uploaded with the exercise of their choice. Print out the documents, review, fill in the information, and you are ready to execute the exercise. Your first step to preparedness is going to ttxvault.com. Thank you for listening to our sponsors, and without them, we really can't do what we're doing. So check them out. Let them know that Ian Weekly sent you. Now back to the interview. And as a meteorologist on TV, I'm like you. I wanted to go to bed at night thinking I have done everything in my possible power to protect my viewers. And I hope they take that advice. And you're right. You can't reach them all. (laughs) But once you've covered all those bases, you sure sleep better at night. That's for sure. That is for sure. You know, I always tell the story about when I was doing public outreach, uh, when I was working in a city that was in a nuclear planning zone. Mm. And every year uh, in October, we would do the siren drill. And the sirens, in our case, didn't tell people to do anything. It just said, hey, there's an emergency going on. Turn your radio right. on, you yeah. know, and we're going to be broadcasting across the radio on on what's important. And so we're at a city council meeting, and this 
community meeting, not city council meeting, sorry. We're at a community meeting and talking about the situation. And this one lady, she raises her hand. She's complaining that she didn't know about the test that was going on and the siren scared her. Hmm. And I asked her, I said, well, look, we did a magazine. Uh, you know, Edison puts out this magazine with this really gorgeous, glossy magazine. It's pretty big and has some good resources on the back that you could tear off. And she goes, oh, well, I thought that was junk mail, so I threw it away, right? And we're like, okay, well, it was in our little local newspaper. She goes, I don't read that. Well, we had it on the radio. Well, I don't listen to those stations. And we had it on broadcasting on the, on the billboard signs that um, we have on the highways. And she's like, oh, well, I don't drive that area. And I asked, I asked her uh, straight up. I said, okay, ma'am, outside of me going to your apartment and knocking on your door and saying this is happening, how do I contact someone like you? And and I realized that point in, in my career, I said, you know what? There's only so much as an emergency manager that we can do. And as long as we hit all those points, we have to know we did our job. And as right. the residents of your community have a responsibility. And I think encouraging them to get those NOAA radios, I think that's going to answer the question as well. It is. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, people who are 50, 55, 60 years old, they buy NOAA weather radios religiously. They're easy to sell NOAA weather radio on because they're the same people that always fasten their seatbelt. They always lock their door. They've got a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. They've, you know, those people are safety minded. Our difficulty in, in emergency management and in broadcasting has always been in, in getting this message to the 30-somethings, the 20-somethings. <laughs> You know, at that age, you think you're just going to live forever. <laughs> and so I would say if you're an emergency manager, uh, the young the young couples who are in their 20s and 30s, they may not buy a NOAA weather radio without some real encouragement from you. Right. I will say that after they've been hit by a tornado, a windstorm or a tsunami, yes, they'll run right out and buy a weather radio. But it's just like people who buy a fire extinguisher after they've had their kitchen fire. <laughs> right. We want you to get it before the right. kitchen catches fire. So if we can do that and get the word out that uh, the NOAA Weather Radio Network is our official federal warning system, it works, it works real well. It's the fastest way to receive messages. People can't hack into it, they can't send false reports. It's official coming directly from the National Weather Service. And if people understand that their county emergency managers, even on a beautifully sunny day, could use NOAA Weather Radio to tell you about the train derailment and the chlorine gas leak, mm -hmm. I think we'd get a lot more response from people. Right. So um, I want to ask a couple of questions about Midland now, since uh -huh. you know you are a Midland rep. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know if – I don't remember seeing any other manufacturer that, that makes the NOAA Weather Radio, but there might be. Um, but let's talk about Midland a little bit. How long has Midland been in this business? Since the beginning of NOAA Weather Radio, our company's been around about 50 years. Previously, it was, uh, I can't even think of this. The name escapes me now before it became Midland. But, uh, it, you know, the company's been around for quite a while. We're based out of Kansas City. And we do have the lion's share of the NOAA Weather Radio production and, and sales. There are probably six or seven other companies that also produce NOAA Weather Radio. But I'm a meteorologist, and my coworker in my office, Bruce Thomas, he's also a, a former TV meteorologist. So Midland has really, really pledged itself to getting the word out and educating people about why these devices are so important. Right. We get letters and phone calls and emails every year, and they fall into one or two categories. One, thank you for the NOAA weather radio that saved us. 
And the other one is, I wish we'd had one mm. because we lost a family member. And, and now we know. So it's, again, I get back to that point. If you're an emergency manager, it's important that you encourage everyone in your county to have multiple and redundant ways of getting this information. Cell phones are great. Outdoor sirens still work when you're outdoors. Right. You know, the TV coming on and interrupting your dinner with a tornado warning. All of this stuff is important. But just encourage people to have more than one way of getting this. So now with you today, again, we can't really show you guys, but you, you brought a couple different models. Yeah. You have the desktop model, which is like this. It looks like a, um, maybe about the size of a like a large TV remote. And so that's that's very similar to and it has like an antenna on it and you can plug that into your wall. And battery backup. And battery backup. Yeah, so yeah, it's plugged into the wall, but it also has battery backup. And, and you can do an external antenna on that too, right? Yeah, external antenna. And you can also do an external alert for the deaf and hard of hearing. You oh. can put a strobe light. You can put a strobe light or a pillow shaker in there. Oh wow. So for the deaf and hard of hearing community, these desktop radios, these white desktop radios will have an external alert port also. Oh, that's great. And then this one here, this one, there's one on here called a cloning port. This is where if an emergency manager buys 10,000 of these, you can put a wire in between them and you program one of these radios and it'll program everything that's, that's wired up to it. Okay. So you could program thousands of weather radios in one afternoon, program set up for your county, and then you distribute them and they're all programmed the same way. How hard are these to are these They're to program? not hard at all. Okay. You can read the manual and follow it. Or you can call us and we walk folks through it over the phone all the time. But honestly, it's a very easy thing to set up. You set the clock. You tell it what county you live in. And you set it to the nearest NOAA weather radio transmitter so you're getting a clear signal. And that's it. That's, that's all there is to it. There are some other things on this white desktop. You could go in here and say, I don't want to hear amber alerts. Mm. I don't want to hear flood watches. I don't want to hear flood warnings. You can turn off a lot of things, but you can never turn off the biggies. And Todd, the biggies are tornado warning, hurricane warning, flash flood warning, uh, a nuclear attack. They're really biggies. Uh -huh. Civil emergency. You can't turn them off. They don't even show up in the menu. <laughs> That's good. Because those are locked in by right. public alert certification. Uh -huh. A public alert certified radio has to have battery backup. It has to visually give you the alert here for the deaf. has to have an external alert port for the deaf. And it has to have an, uh, a 73 decibel alert tone to make sure that it wakes you up. So that's the desktop. Now, the cool part about this, too, is this desktop is that when you are going for your storm ready certificate from NOAA and you have one of those weather radios in your um, alert area, uh, that covers your, your weather alert stuff. So yeah. that's, that actually is, is something that will get you that certificate from NOAA of being storm ready. Right. And then uh, you can do on college campuses, if they want to be storm ready, they need to put a NOAA weather radio in every building, at least one in every building. So every dorm should have one. And then, you know, every building should have if you're going to be a storm ready campus. But, yeah, there's a lot of it, it's a it's a great partnership between the National Weather Service and, and the county emergency management. And there are a lot of counties that are storm-ready counties now, and it truly makes a difference. It does. And so then you also brought another model, which is like a little handheld radio uh, with a flashlight associated with a little clock right. on there. This looks like something that you'd throw like maybe in your go bag, uh, something like that, your disaster bag. And um, is this solar as well? 
Yes, it has a little solar panel on top. That's kind of a trickle charger. You're not going to be able to completely charge your battery with this, but uh, you know, it's a it's a little trickle charger, and you've got a crank on the back. Oh, a crank too. So, so these are perfect. This is something like we're telling our our cert members, um, our races members, to have something like this inside their their kit ready to go. Right. And this is a perfect size handheld, and you can use it as a flashlight as well. This is actually five of the items that you should have in your kit. It's AM. It's FM. It's NOAA weather radio, it's a flashlight, and you can use it to recharge your, your smartphone by plugging oh, into the that. USB jack. So these these emergency crank radios, and there are several manufacturers that have them. They have a uh, rechargeable battery in there, and what I do with mine is I just plug them into the wall, plug into that mini USB port, mm-hmm. and keep mine charged 100% all the time. And I keep it in the kitchen where it's kind of sunny, and it kind of helps to uh, keep that uh, photo cell charging as well. But we put a Cree LED light bulb in here. It's the brightest wow, flashlight bright. I've ever owned. And then you've got AM, FM, and NOAA weather radio. So this is five of the items. This is like the Swiss Army knife, right? right? right. This is five <laughs> of the items you're supposed to have in your kit, and it's it it fits you know it fits in just about in the palm of my hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty nice little radio right there. It is. And and again, it's the Midland uh, NOAA radio. And does this have SAME on it as well? Or No, okay. uh, we did not put SAME on there. And I'll tell you why, Todd. That radio was designed to be used in a hurricane zone mm-hmm. where people are evacuating. And when you evacuate, you may not even know what county you're in anymore. Gotcha. So you don't have time or the inclination to set it to go off for just a single county. You just want to know what's going on, on where right. you are right now. So we specifically left SAME off of that particular unit. Uh, and real quick, can you explain to if, if somebody out there doesn't know what what SAME is? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, the first generation of weather radios, people bought them and then they unplugged them. I said, "Why did you unplug it? It was going off all the time." And so the National Weather Service changed their transmitters and they used what they call specific area message encoding, which is SAME. And basically, that allows you to set the radio to only go off for the county that you live in. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some people that like to put some surrounding counties in as well. You can if you want, but it's going to go off more often. Right. right? But if you want that kind of situational awareness, I get it. Some people do. But generally on an SAME radio, like this white desktop radio, you're just going to set it for the county that you live in. If you don't want to hear Amber Alerts, you turn those off. Don't want to hear Flood Watches, you turn those off. But the rest of the time, you just plug it in, leave the power switch on the side on. It sits there silently. It doesn't make noise. It sits silently and monitors the NOAA broadcast. And if they tell it to come on, it'll come on automatically with an alert tone, and then it'll just start talking. National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning for Sonoma County, California. And there's an alert that goes up, beep, that's like really low. Right, right? yeah, (laughs) on on that white desktop. It's an 80-decibel tone, so... You can hear it. I, I've set it off in, at conventions. We're in, we're, we're in a convention hall, and I've set it off, and people across the room stop and look and go, what's, what's, what's the alert tone <laughs> going off for? And that's what it was designed right. for. Because if, if your kids are watching a DVD on TV and they've got the sound turned up, or if you're running your vacuum cleaner, or if you're out in the garage or you're out on the back deck, mm-hmm. you want to hear when this thing goes off. Right, right. So it really is loud enough that in a multi-story home you can hear it. It's loud enough that if I'm out on my back deck, I've got one in the kitchen. When it goes off, I can hear it. And and it lets me know that there's something going on I need to know about. 
So, Bruce, if the emergency manager wanted to get a hold of you, how would they find you or stuff information about your company? Uh, MidlandUSA.com is our website. And, you know, I'm honestly, I'm paid by Midland, but I don't care what brand of weather radio people buy. Mm-hmm. They should buy a good quality one. But I'm just a big fan of the National Weather Service and their weather radio network. And I'd like to see every home in America have one of these devices. Yeah. Because to me, it's like I said, it's a no-brainer. But for a lot of people, you're going to have to give it to them as a Christmas gift. Honestly, <laughs> you know, your mom and dad, you may have to give them this as a Christmas gift because they may not feel the need to go out and get one. They say, well, I live in Palm Springs, California. Why do I need one? Right. Well, you get windstorms, you get wildfires, you have trains coming through Palm Springs that carry a lot of chemicals. Mm-hmm. You have trucks on the interstate that carry a lot of chemicals. You know, um, Lincoln, Nebraska, the county in Lincoln, Nebraska, years ago, at 2 o'clock in the morning, they had five cars derail on the train yard in the center of Lincoln, and they were marked chlorine, and they didn't know if they were full or not. They set off at 2 in the morning. They sought off, set off the NOAA weather radios in Lancaster County, Nebraska, and said, stay indoors, turn off your air conditioner. This was two in the morning. Who would have known to get up and turn off their air conditioner? Right. Who would have known not to walk outside to let their dog out to you know take a leak? But at two in the morning, they could alert people and say there's been a, a train derailment with chlorine tank cars. Stay indoors. As luck would have it, there was no gas release. But that's a good example of why somebody here in sunny Palm Springs, California, which is where we're recording this right now, would need to have a NOAA weather radio. Right. A, a civil emergency. Somebody poisons the water supply. How are you going to know when you get up in the in the morning to take your shower that somebody's put acid or, or, or something into the water supply? Right. I have right. no idea. So that's the importance of having these little gizmos. It's one device that does one thing. It listens for the National Weather Service to alert it. And when it goes off, you know in your home, oh, there's something I need to pay attention to. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. really. That's- yeah. So, okay, so one of the traditions that we have here on Ian Weekly is we ask our guests, what book, books, or publication do you recommend to somebody who is in emergency management? So what book would you recommend? Um, you know, there was a great book called Unthinkable. I believe was Unthinkable. And it was written by a social scientist who researched various disasters and asked the question, who survives and who doesn't? Who survives a fire in a nightclub? Right. Who survives the plane crash? Who survives uh, in a flash flood where they're hiking in a canyon and here comes a wall of water? It was a very, very interesting book because primarily the people who survive in these nightclub fires or plane crashes were the ones who were paying attention. And when somebody said there's an emergency, they switched in their brain into, okay, I'm going to be in a preparedness mode. A good example of this is when you get on the airplane, I fly a lot, when you get on the airplane and they get up to do the little spiel about where the exits are and how to how to put the life vest on if you land in the water. Listening to that, I know I'm not going to learn anything new, but what that does, it puts my mind into the mindset of, you know what, an accident is possible mm-hmm. on this flight. And if it happens, I'm not going to sit there in a state of disbelief glued to my seat, not moving. I understand now that they've briefed me that if there is a possibility of an accident on this airplane, I'm to do something because they'll go in after these airplane crashes 
and find people still strapped in their seats who could have gotten out. Right. But they didn't even un- undo their seatbelt and get up and go to the exit because in their mind, they couldn't conceive of there being an accident on this flight. Right. And the, a very famous uh, uh, situation was the, uh, I think it was the Hollywood nightclub in, out of sight of Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Big fire. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the MC got up on stage and said there's a fire and told people to get out. But it was one of those nightclubs that had grown over the years, and it was just kind of serpentine. They just added on and added on. So it was hard to find your way out. But if the folks had listened to that guy when he first made the announcement, probably everybody could have gotten out. Mm. But when the firefighters went back in after the fire, they found people, one, one group of, of two couples still sitting at their table, slumped over the table, dead from you know inhaling the gases. They hadn't even bothered to get up. Hmm. And, and the room they were in was the room where the MC got up on stage and said, there's a fire somewhere in the building. Let's move out. It wasn't even in that room when he made that announcement. And yet they sat there and refused to believe that this nightclub could possibly be on fire until the smoke just Killed. rapidly overcame them. Right. So I think it's called The Unthinkable is the name of the book. I don't know the author. It's Amanda Ripley. Is it? Yes, yes, it is Amanda Ripley. You yeah. know that book. Oh, yeah. Isn't it a great book? It is a great book. That has changed my way of thinking. And when I get on a plane with my wife and my kids, I tell them, just put your, device, put your magazine down, put your device down, listen to what they're saying, and count how many rows back and how many rows forward you'd need to move. And once you've done that, I think their mindset is, oh, if something were to happen, I would move. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when I go to the movies with my son, that's the thing that we do together. And I always look at the the exits. The exits. And I say, okay, there's the exit. This is the primary. If this is blocked, this is the one we're going to. And if we get separated, you know where the car's parked and we're going to meet at the car. So we always have that little plan and we articulate that out loud mm-hmm. when we're sitting there. And it's just, we're just going to the movies, but we make sure it's in, I, I make sure it's in his head. And it's not paranoia, is Mm-mm, it? No. no. It's just setting that idea in their head that, you know what, something could happen. Right. And if it does happen, I'm, I'm, I'm in the action mode. I'm not in the denial mode. Right. Yeah. Right. Isn't that important yeah i think so i think so that's a great book that's a really good recommendation yeah um so is there before we let you go is there anything that you'd like to say directly to the emergency manager well yeah we have a lot of areas in the country where a lot of people have no weather radios primarily tornado alley Mm -hmm. we have areas in the country where not too many people have tornado or uh, NOAA weather radios i would encourage you to work with your national weather service and work with your TV stations to encourage more people to buy the weather radios. And then you as the emergency manager, take it upon yourselves to use the system more often for fire warnings, for a dam watch when there's a possibility a dam might break. There's, you can send out a dam watch. And U.S. Geological Survey in the next couple of years will roll out the shake alert here right. on the West Coast. They'll be able to broadcast those on NOAA Weather Radio, too. There is an earthquake warning, an EQW, already programmed in to these NOAA Weather Radios. Oh, really? That's a nice to know. Yeah. Yeah. The Mexicans use it. In Mexico, they have a system called, do you see the SASMEX or SARMEX? I can never remember. And they use, they have an earthquake warning system that activates weather radios with an alert tone 20 or 30 seconds before the yeah, wave strikes. Right. That's yeah. awesome. So what I'm hoping is that U.S. Geological Survey will use that, their shake alert out here on the West Coast. We'll, we'll use that ability to send it out on NOAA weather radio, and it'll be one more way that people can get that warning. 
That's Ron awesome. Malway. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you here, and uh, thanks for being on Ian Weekly. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for helping us get the word out that NOAA Weather Radio saves lives.